0: Excellent. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors on team here at church, and I'm so honored to be with you today, continuing our Christmas series, Joy to Your World. And those of you joining here in person, in overflow, and those of you joining us online, welcome to church. I'd love to invite all of you to stand with me as we read the word to start today. 1 Peter chapter 1. and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we stand in your presence today saying thank you, that you are worthy of all of our praise, of all of our glory, of all of our honor. Holy Spirit, we invite you in, Lord, to speak in this moment. I pray, Father, that through your word, that you would speak with clarity into situations that need the voice of the Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would impart things to us today. I pray, Father, that dreams would be imparted. I pray that fresh faith would come over circumstances where it's needed, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, in jesus name i come against all distractions and i pray god that if anyone's mind is racing holy spirit you would bring us all at ease so that we could lean in to your word and your truth and we would allow that to transform us from the inside out lord speak we are listening today and it's in jesus name that we pray amen amen you can be seated and thank you worship team you guys are fantastic So for those of you that don't know me, I've been at this church uh, for, I think, almost 14 years at this point, and I've been married to my amazing wife for 12 of those years. And quite a while ago, I met her. The first day I met her was at Pastor Anthony and Pastor Miriam's house. They were having a little get-together, and I saw my wife in the back room, no joke, no cliche, no over-embellishing. I knew I was going to marry her the second I laid eyes on her. There was something in me. You couldn't convince me otherwise. I was a man on a mission. The problem is, she didn't know she was my wife yet. So it took me a year of chasing her, a year of wooing her, a year of showing her all of the tremendous qualities that I can possibly do, and nothing was happening. And I was getting frustrated. And then Pastor Magno, filled with wisdom, came into my life, and he said, dude, you're doing all the boyfriend stuff, and you ain't getting the boyfriend treatment. And I was like, you're right. So I dumped her. We weren't even dating. And I dumped her. A month later, she saw what the Lord was doing. She repented of her ways. I got a text message. Pastor Magno and I are out bowling. And she texts me and she says, you know what? I've made up my mind what I'm going to do. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, I want to be with you. We screamed on, like, lane 27. We're jumping. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you're going to go see her? I was like, I think so. He's like, take hauls so you got good breath. And I'm like, that's medicine. That's not a breath mint. He's like, no, it's a breath mint. It was the wildest moment of my life. It was so exciting. So much joy, a year of waiting. And finally, that Christmas, I got to bring her to my family's house for our Christmas Eve dinner. And, you know, when, when she came, I was like, oh. This is it. She's at my aunt's house. That's like the big deal. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is real. About a year later, we got married. It was the greatest joy of my life that she married me. Every day I wake up, it's a joy to be next to her. It's just the best. She's the best. You know, when you're talking about joy, when you look at this scripture in 1 Peter, Peter knew Jesus. He heard Jesus. He touched him. He, he, he was face to face with him. And yet Peter is encouraging all of those who would believe without the benefit of that. He's saying, you've never seen him, and yet you believe. And what you believe has led to you to rejoice in a joy that is inexpressible. And sometimes I wonder if we hear a word and we understand what it means, but we don't stop to ponder what it really actually means, right? That word inexpressible, think about it. What is Peter saying? He's saying, there is no word no groups of word, no books that could be written in any language ever that could properly convey the joy that God gives you because of your salvation. Isn't that wild? There is no words that you can put on it to properly properly characterize how incredible it is. But a life of faith isn't always easy. A life of faith has trials in it. Life is not easy, is it? Life can throw you curveballs. Life comes up with the unexpected things. Life comes up with the tragic things. We need to remember that in every moment, God is still moving. In everything, God is still moving. God is still in control. You and I, even in the most difficult moments, have a joy that we can tap into. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about this idea of joy for a moment, We're going to look at the story of Jesus' birth and particularly look at Joseph as a man of God and understand a couple things, a couple qualities about him that led him to handle a very difficult situation well. The joy that Jesus gives us causes us to handle our circumstances differently because it makes our hearts soft and it helps us be obedient to him. Because of the joy brought to our world through Jesus and the salvation that he gives us, we can bring joy into the craziest of situations. And the title of my message today is Bringing His Joy into the Chaos. So when we talk about joy, what are we really talking about? Joy is defined as the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. It is a keen pleasure. It is elation. And maybe you've experienced joy, and we experience joy for different reasons, right? Maybe you got that dream job that you were praying about and you finally got. Maybe it was the first time you ever held your child. There's something inexpressible about the first time you hold your child. It's just magical. There's something that no words can really put on it. But how many of us know that even though something can be very joyful in a moment, that joy can go away? Because that job that you were praying for can get difficult. You can have a coworker that's difficult. That child that you loved holding doesn't sleep in the very beginning a lot. And you find yourself at 3 a.m. shaking trying to find joy. Like, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) What day is it? I don't even know. (laughs) And isn't it crazy how a joyful day, an incredibly joyful moment can get ruined by something so trivial. You can get a message that isn't too nice. An email that you weren't expecting. News that you, and, and all of a sudden like this, something that was an incredibly joyful moment cannot be anymore. When we speak of joy, our minds are wired to think of something that's intensely pleasurable, but that is fleeting. We're we're used to experience, maybe we've experienced joy, but at some level it does go away. There's a song that we sing here at church called The Joy of the Lord, and in the chorus we say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But I wonder, when we're singing that, when we say the word joy, what are we thinking about? Is the joy of the Lord something that's in line with these definitions, something that's in line with these experiences that I was talking about, or is it something that is a little bit different from that? In John chapter 15, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's look at verse 11 again slowly, because it's so important to see this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, so the joy that Jesus has, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So wait a minute. There's a joy that Jesus gives us. And it seems to be a little bit different from what we were just talking about, right? If Jesus is giving me something, it doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever because it, it comes from the unchanging one. And so when Jesus is saying, I'm giving you my joy, that your joy may be complete, then that's telling me it's something that is a little bit different than what we're thinking about. In John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about how he is the vine and we are the branches and you and I are connected to him. So what does that mean? Everything we need in life and every good and perfect thing we get from him. Everything we have is coming from Jesus who's giving it to us. And isn't it crazy to think that the Savior of the world is, isn't is just concerned about our eternal salvation, yet he paid the price of sin, to cover our sins, to atone for them so that we could spend an eternity with him. And yet, he is still concerned with our joy while we live on earth. He is still concerned with your well-being, but so much so that he doesn't want you to find it in other people, in other places, in other things. He gives of himself so that you always have it. That is the difference between the two. A joy that the world gives is temporary. It is fleeting. It is found in person, places, things, or conditions that can change in a moment. Yet the joy that the Lord gives us stays. It abides in us. And it's because it's from Him that it will never change. The joy... Yeah. The joy of the Lord is defined as the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God, abiding in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying he wants us to be rooted in him, and that when we are rooted in him, when, when he is connected to us, that there are certain qualities and certain natures and certain things that are going to come into our life. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to show nine attributes that are associated with Him. The Apostle Paul calls these the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now notice what he says in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk. By the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes in you, when you are born again and place your faith in Jesus, these characteristics of God start to come out of you because he's with you. But how many of you know that the moment that you put your faith in Christ, not everything is picture perfect. Not every part of your heart has been dealt with. Not everything is just rosy and good. There's still a process that we need to go on. So the Apostle Paul is saying, these things are in you. you got to walk them out. We all have a part to play in sowing to the Spirit or pursuing the things of the Spirit, growing in our relationship with Jesus and starting to let the things of this world and the desires of our flesh die. That is the process of sanctification or growing to look more like the Lord. That is the process of seeing those fruit that He has put in you, one of them being joy, more manifest in your life. So if it's something active, then a question I have for you is what kind of joy are you pursuing right now? Are you pursuing the joy that is temporary, that is found because of people, places, or things? Something that might make you feel absolutely incredible for a moment, but can get ripped away from you in a heartbeat? Or are you sowing into the permanent joy that Christ himself gives you from him? Are you pursuing that and allowing that joy to be what you're seeking in your life. When we've put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and makes our spirit alive. His joy is part of our nature, and as we continue to grow in the Lord, the fruit become more evident. So what am I saying with this beginning part about joy? It's this. True joy, true joy is a lasting joy given to us by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. True joy is a lasting joy that is given to us by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So when I talk about joy, that is the joy that I'm talking about. Last week, Pastor Anthony said, joy is the byproduct of following God through the big decisions and the uncommon moments. And the moment that Jesus was born into this world was an uncommon time in history. It was actually a very interesting time in history. When Jesus was born, Israel was under Roman occupation, so they were not a sovereign state, they were not self-governing themselves, they were under Roman rule. And at this time period, it was what was called the intertestamental period, where if you go to the last book in the Old Testament, it's the book of Malachi, he was the last prophet that God sent to Israel up until the point where Jesus was born. It had been about 400 years that God had not sent a prophet to his nation. God had been quiet for a while. So you're under a military dictatorship. Prophecy has not come in quite some time. You're hoping to get freed from this bondage that you find yourself in. On top of it, the world itself was in turmoil. There were wars happening. There was civil unrest and different types of revolutions happening in different parts. Everything was a mess right now in this area. And that was the time. That God chose to have his son incarnate into human form to come into this world to start to live his life to deal with our sin. In Matthew chapter 1, we see the story of Jesus' birth. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Joseph found himself in quite a little predicament, didn't he? He was betrothed to this woman, and now she came and she told him that she was pregnant. At that time period in history, when we see the word betrothed, it's different than what you and I would call engagement. When you were betrothed in Israel, for all intents and purposes, you were legally married. You were just not physically intimate until the wedding day. And so when you were found to have um, cheated outside of that relationship, you were guilty of adultery. And one of the consequences of that sin in the culture at the time could have been stoning. And so this was a very significant issue that Joseph finds himself, finds in front of him. Imagine that conversation. I'm pregnant. The the, the gut punch that that must have felt like. And then she goes, but it's okay. It's from God. (laughs) Cute. (laughs) Joseph. Seemed like he, knew what was go- he thought he knew what was going on. He needed the Lord to show him the fullness of what was happening, though. And in the process of navigating an extremely difficult set of circumstances, God moved in an incredible way. Because Joseph was a man of God, he handled this set of circumstances differently than other people would have. You notice how it says that Joseph was a just man, But he was also unwilling to put her to shame. And what does this mean? So Joseph was a just man. He saw that there had been an apparent affair. And because of that, he decided that this relationship was not going to continue, that he was not going to marry her. But you notice it says he was unwilling to put her to shame. Joseph could have gone into damage control mode. Joseph could have thrown her out into the public and said, look at what she's done. Joseph could have let whatever would have happened happen and just let her get maybe what he thought she could have deserved in his anger. Yet he didn't. He was unwilling to put her to shame. So he had decided in his heart that he was going to divorce her Quietly. I think it's incredible that God not only knew the characteristics of the woman that he would choose to carry his son, but he knew the characteristics of the man that would be married to that woman, that would lead the household, that would provide for her, that would care for her, that would cherish for her, and that would create an atmosphere of faith for the Son of God to grow in. So Joseph was a man of God, and there was something unique about him. Scripture speaks very often about our hearts. Before you and I know the Lord, before we've put our faith in Jesus, our hearts are hardened. We're seeking after selfish pleasures. We're seeking after things of this world. And yet, when the Holy Spirit enables us and gives us the ability to repent of our sin and come to Jesus, now all of a sudden, our hearts start to get softened a little bit. Haven't you noticed, though, that it's not just an on-off switch? When you put your faith in Christ, it's not like all of a sudden you are gentle and meek and all of the fruit of the Spirit are just absolutely everything about you and nothing else. There's a journey that you and I go on because we bring with us our experiences, don't we? We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We struggle with forgiveness. We struggle with getting inner healing and things like that. Our hearts have stuff, have baggage with them. But it's when the Lord moves in our life And when the fruit of the Spirit is, and we're seeking the things of the Spirit, that our hearts start to get softer. Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. When we're in the presence of the Lord, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can have peace. And it might feel difficult to say at times. It might feel even unattainable in certain moments in life. But I'm telling you, God is always with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And Jesus gives us a peace not the way that the world gives it, not the way that you're used to trying to seek it maybe from other people or things. He gives of himself And that is why our hearts can become soft when we're close to the Lord. And what is a fruit of a soft heart? It is that we handle circumstances differently. Joseph didn't go into damage control mode. Joseph didn't get revenge. His heart was soft. And because of that, he navigated this situation better. God needed to expand Joseph's vision, though. He needed him to see the situation different. Joseph thought he knew what was going on. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever reacted to something because you thought you knew what was going on and then later on you found out you were wrong and you said something maybe you wished you hadn't said or sent a message you wished you had not sent? Joseph didn't have the full picture. He was reacting on what was in front of him. So God had to get in the way. He sent this dream to Joseph, told him in the dream by an angel, everything she said is true. This is your job. Let him be born. Name him Jesus. And Joseph was obedient to what God told him to do through the angel. Joseph heard, he listened, and he did exactly what was commanded to him. And it's interesting, this is in Matthew chapter 1. If you go to Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus is born, there are four distinct moments that God again sends a dream to Joseph to steer him clear of danger and to steer him where God needs him and Jesus to be. And in each of those four times, Joseph was obedient to what God was calling him to do. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You know, I found in my walk that choosing to be, remain teachable and to listen to the Lord when he tells me to do something, they've been the two things that have actually contributed the most to my growth. God has put incredible men and women in our world as leaders, as mentors, as friends who are there to help us on this journey that God is, has us on. When we choose to be teachable, it means I recognize that there's people that know better than me. (laughs) I have no clue what I'm doing sometimes. I need people that have done things longer than me, better than me, to pour into my world, to help steer me when I can't see. I need trusted people to be able to speak into my life when I've got a blind spot that I can't see. Hey, Steve, you gotta tweak this thing. Hey, have you thought about this? You're missing something. Something's not quite right. Something's off. You gotta step into faith bigger, believe bigger. We need those voices in our life, but we need to hear from God more than anything. And recently, God called me to open a business, and I really didn't want to. And so if you asked me two years ago, I would have never re- opened my own business. I felt God calling me to open my own business. I started sensing it because every day I went to work, I felt like I was in the wrong place. Not that I didn't want to be there per se, but I was just like, oh, I'm... I'm, I'm it's the wrong place, and I didn't know quite how to put my finger on it. Then all of a sudden, started, God started putting this burden on my heart to open my own. I, I'm an environmental consultant, so he's, he wanted me to open my own environmental consulting company. Well, problem, I already worked for one, and so how on earth am I going to build a business and get clients and get income lined up for me to take that step of faith when I'm already working for a company without it being a conflict of interest? I couldn't. It was an ethical and a moral issue. So I'm like, okay. And then on top of that, I'm the sole earner in our house. My wife's a fantastic mother. She homeschools our kids, and I don't want to ever take that away. So I'm like, Lord, you're asking me to build something that I can't build until I start to do it. And when I start to do it, I won't have any money, and I'm the only one making money. Can you see the pickle I found myself in, right? So I rationalized it. I justified it. And I'm telling you my story not to tout me. Not to elevate me or anything like that, but I want to encourage you because I truly believe that there's some of you that are on a journey like I was on a couple months ago. There's some of you that are in a place where God is calling you to do something that maybe seems um, maybe seems out of the ordinary. Maybe by all intents, and, all intents and purposes you're looking at it and you're saying, this doesn't make sense, but you can't shake what God is telling you to do. I want to encourage you. God has something in the midst of your story now. And you need to lean into him, lean into his word and the people that he has put around you. So in the middle of August, I was out for a walk. I'd been dragging my feet. Everyone told me to do it. All of my mentors told me to do it. Pastor Anthony told me to do it. My wife even told me to do it. And I was like, come on, you're supposed to be the the one thing that, that keeps me and gives me an excuse not to do it. And now I don't have any excuse anymore. Thank you, honey. For being so filled with faith. So I went out for a walk. And in my heart, I decided, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You've been telling me to do it for seven months. What am I doing here, Lord? I'm not going to fight you anymore. I am going to do what you're calling me to do. And in my heart, I decided to do it. And can I tell you, I just started laughing out loud. The joy that I felt. Why? Because God was calling me into something that seemed impossible. And I actively walk, had to step into it. God wasn't forcing me to do anything. I had to choose to do it. Now, I wish I could tell you that from that moment on, I was filled with faith and everything was easy. The day before I resigned from my company, I was nervous. I was already starting to maybe second guess things. The voices kind of start getting going in your head, you know, where you're starting to think of every, single, every variable. So I went out for a run and I was praying and I was like, all right, Lord, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do it afraid. You know, grit your teeth, get it done, that kind of mentality. I was like, man, Be able to give you glory by saying I did something that was outside of my comfort zone. And clear as a day while I was running, the Holy Spirit said to me, how about you get out of fear and do it in faith? So I had 18 hours (laughs) to get out of fear and get into faith. And I'll tell you something. When I got on the conference call, I still wasn't comfortable, if that makes sense. I wasn't at ease. When I clicked launch Teams meeting, I'm like, here we go. All right, we're doing it. And I started talking to my boss. And I started just casting vision to him. I was like, I know this seems crazy. The Lord is calling me to do this and I know that this is what I'm meant to do. So we started talking about it and he, was, he told me later, he genuinely thought I went crazy because he's like, do you have clients? I'm like, no. He's like, so do you have money lined up? I'm like, no. He's like, what are you going to do? I said, I, said I, don't, I don't know, but God's going to provide for me either way because if he's called me to do it, He's going to take care of it somehow. He's going to give me the opportunity, whatever resource I need, to work to get it done. My boss just made a face and said, no one's ever quit because God told them to. I said, here we are. <laughs> it doesn't mean that every moment in the last couple months has been easy and joyful. It's been a lot of hard work. It's been a lots of ups and downs. But it's been continuing to stay rooted in the joy that Jesus gives me that regardless of what life throws at me, can I tell you something? I don't know where this business is going, and I don't care. And I mean that by this. I am going to do whatever God gives me to do. I am gonna put 100% into whatever he gives me. And if he gives me something that's worth 20 people in a year, thank you Jesus, because he gets the glory. If he keeps me just as me for a couple of years and leads me into something new, thank you Jesus for all of the lessons. I am gonna do whatever he called me to do because the principal goal of what I'm doing is to give him glory. And when that's what you do, when you take a step of faith, there's peace, there's joy. It's dependent on me, and it's completely not at the same time. So thank you, Jesus, that he gives us his joy. So I want to ask you, what is God calling you to that you haven't stepped into yet? If you still can't quite see it, if it feels fuzzy, if that makes sense, have you prayed about it? Have you asked him, Lord, what is this thing that you're putting on my heart? I sense something. Jesus, show me through your word. Show me through maybe a dream. What am I meant to do? If you've seen it a little bit more clearly, have you come along trusted people who you know are in the word and who hear from the Lord in prayer and say, hey, can you pray with me? Can you come along this journey with me? And maybe where's the thing that you just got to stop making excuses for and just do it? Because maybe you've been dragging your feet long enough. God's made a way for you to do it. Trust in him, rely on him, use wisdom, test all things and you will find on the other side joy and peace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says for this might light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look to the things not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. The joy that the world gives you is transient but the joy that Jesus gives you is eternal. Maybe you're here and you're struggling. Maybe you're here and you're wrestling with the decision that you feel God's leading you towards that maybe seems a little bit crazy. Maybe you're here and life has thrown you a curveball. Maybe you're on the other end of a faith-filled season of joy and you feel dried up. I want to encourage all of us today. The joy of the Lord can carry you through the most difficult of circumstances and it's available to all of us. Jesus came into this world into a set of circumstances that by the world's perspective was chaotic, and yet the peace of God and the joy of God guided everything that happened and resulted in joy, not only for his parents, but for all who would believe in his name. I want to end and leave you with these thoughts. When we have soft hearts and are obedient to the Lord, we find ourselves accessing a joy that only Christ himself can give us. Regardless of what life throws our way, when we remember that we are tapped into the true vine and have the Holy Spirit with us, nothing can crush us, nothing can derail us, nothing can rob from us what Christ paid for us to have. We can truly be the light to the world, bringing his joy into the chaos. I'd like to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me, because maybe there's some of you in this place that haven't put your faith in Jesus that have not experienced being born again, having the Holy Spirit indwell inside of you. In a moment, we're going to say a prayer. And it's not the order of the words or anything like that. It's your posture towards your heart in heaven, recognizing that because of sin, you've been separated from him. But because of the blood of Jesus, all of that sin has been washed away and that you can become a new creation by placing your faith in him, repenting of your sin, and inviting the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. So let's all say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I recognize that I am a sinner and I've been separated from you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me clean. Holy Spirit, abide in me. Lead me and guide me every day of my life today I am a new creation in Jesus name amen and with your eyes closed and your heads bowed if you said that prayer today and you know that your eternity just changed you know that you just repented from your sin and you know that the Holy Spirit has come alive in you causing your spirit to come alive again I'd love for you to just slip up your hands so I can see it one two and three who in this room, thank you, I see that hand, I see those hands, I see those hands right there, I see that hand, man. I see those hands over there on the left. With everyone with your eyes bowed, with your eyes closed, those of you who raised your hand, would you look at me and just you alone for a moment? I wanna say thank you for responding to what Jesus is doing in your life. We have this resource called Following Jesus. It's gonna teach you what you need to know. It's out at the counter on the right-hand side, but I wanna encourage you above all else, be plugged in to the house here. Be present. When Transform groups kick off again, be part of community and allow God to continue to do a good work in you. Amen so Lord we thank you for today I thank you Jesus for everything that you've done in and through your word and I thank you Father God for causing things to come alive in people again Lord I pray that you would breathe on dreams I pray that you would breathe on ambition and I pray Father God Lord that all of us would continue to take steps of faith that are rooted in the joy that you yourself give us Jesus thank you that you came into this world that you lived the life that you did and that you died and were resurrected Thank you, Lord, for conquering sin and death for us. God, we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.